On Wednesday and Thursday this week, Fed Chairman Jay Powell will deliver a semi-annual testimony to Congress on the outlook for the economy and monetary policy. As he prepares, while he will focus on the clarity of his message, he may well be distracted by the potential reaction of political and market audiences. His is not an easy job. When talking about the economy, he will likely paint a fairly balanced picture. On economic growth, he may make some positive remarks about the current expansion, which has just become the longest in U.S. history. He will also likely warn of slower growth ahead, reflecting a potentially significant inventory cycle, weaker investment spending, and a slump in exports. This could cut real GDP growth to close to 1% annualized over the second and third quarters of this year. As this happens, productivity growth, which has recently been boosted by above-trend economic growth, will likely return to a more pedestrian pace. However, Mr. Powell will also likely express the expectation that as inventory growth normalizes, real GDP growth should come close to 2% in 2020. On jobs, he will probably caution his audience about paying too much attention to any one number. Just as the May payroll gain of 72,000 understated labour market momentum, the June report showing 224,000 jobs added overstated the underlying pace of job growth. There is a pent-up demand for workers which should be reflected in roughly 7.5 million job openings in Tuesday's Job Openings and Labour Turnover Report, otherwise known as JOLTS. A soft patch in economic growth and a chronic shortage of new workers should cut private payroll job gains to closer to 100,000 per month by later on this year. Still, with steady gains in real wages and close to the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years, the Fed will have little reason to complain about the labour market. On inflation, the Fed chair will start testifying before the release of the June CPI report. We expect no change in the headline number and a two-tenths of a percent increase in CPI excluding food and energy. In year-over-year terms, this comes out to 1.6% on the headline number and 2% on the core. However, the Fed's 2% target on inflation refers to the personal consumption deflator, not the CPI, and a 2% core CPI reading would likely translate into a 1.6% reading on consumption deflator inflation. A small miss to the downside on inflation hardly constitutes an economic crisis. But if the Fed does indeed cut rates at the end of this month, it will likely justify the move based on low inflation in combination with somewhat slower growth domestically and a more serious slump overseas. If Chairman Powell's only job was to characterize the economic environment and provide a rationale for monetary policy, it would be straightforward enough. What makes it more complicated is the audience to whom he must cater. First, even after Friday's jobs report, the futures market is fully pricing in a 25 basis point rate cut at the July 31st meeting and is more than priced in a second cut by the end of the year. If Jay Powell casts doubt on whether the Fed needs to cut rates at all, his remarks would likely be met by a sharp sell-off in the bond market and the stock market, along with a rally in the dollar. Second, a more hawkish tone would invite more criticism from the President. Already, Jay Powell has suffered more abuse from this administration than any predecessor in recent memory, including insults to his intelligence and threats to fire or demote him. So far, Mr. Powell has refused to respond directly to these attacks and has simply reasserted the importance of the Fed's independence from politics. If his testimony sounds more hawkish, these attacks could well intensify. However, hopefully he will regard his most important audience as American consumers, workers and business people. Consumer and business confidence can best be supported by an honest assessment of the economy's strengths and weaknesses and an assurance that the Federal Reserve will try to chart a middle course, supporting growth but also warding off inflation and asset bubbles and avoiding the creation of distortions through artificially low interest rates. If the economy doesn't need a rate cut at this time, the Fed should, shouldn't deliver one and they should state its intentions as soon and as clearly as possible. 
The dangerous alternative would both be to surrender Fed independence and engender fears that there really is something wrong with the economy. This could cause companies to delay investment and hiring plans, which is exactly the catalyst that could turn a soft patch into a recession. This danger can clearly be seen in the Jill data from the last recession. When looking at the labour market over this period, most economic analysis focuses on the 8.7 million jobs lost in the recession and its aftermath. However, this is a net number, the result of both less hiring and a spike in layoffs. And it is less hiring rather than more firing that gives a recession its bite. As an example, in December 2007, the last month before the onset of the recession, companies hired 5.1 million people and laid off or fired 1.9 million, with another 3.1 million moving to another job or leaving the labour force. In June 2009, the last month of the recession, the number of people fired or laid off had risen to 2.2 million, but the number of hires had collapsed to 3.6 million. Hiring had fallen five times as much as firing had increased. Firing someone is painful in every way. Imposing a hiring freeze by contrast, while just as devastating to the labour market, is a much easier action for a firm to take in uncertain times. This is why it is so crucial to sustain business confidence. Investors should brace themselves for political and market tantrums if Jay Powell sounds more hawkish this week. However, they should recognise that their interests are best served by a long and stable expansion, and that outcome is more likely to be achieved by an independent Fed focused on the long-term health of the American economy. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week, and if any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your JP Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only, and as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.